This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe, which includes Roads to the Top, folks. Roads to the Top. It's uh, part of the Extended Universe, I think. Anyway, I'm Aaron, and I'm joined by the world's number one Roads to the Top fan. It's Mike Spears. Yeah, I am so stoked as my keys... My key binding is completely messed up there. I, I'm going to delete some of the pause for the uh, for, for the podcast, but I'm going to leave most of that in there for the true heads. But yeah, no. Rhodes to the top. It, it's something the whole family can love. We get to see Brandy Rhodes and Cody Rhodes start their family. We got to see Mama Rhodes in there. And who can, uh, who can see where this is going to go? And it's going to be 30-minute show. And I'm willing to state this now. I said this in the uh, Discord there will be ongoing coverage of Roads to the Top on the EE Patreon feed. I can't wait. I might try to loop in Mama Spears because her o- her only sense of wrestling uh, cognizance in the modern era is if someone shows up on the Today Show or Total Bellas. Not Total Divas, just Total Bellas. That's, I respect that. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. And Nate, I got some breaking news for you to respond to. Oh, I'm ready which we're live for, actually. Uh, after the match, Darby Allen says John Silver dislocated his shoulder. Um, well, it sure looked like he did in the match. Uh, he, I <laughs> you know, thought he might have been working that, uh, but he did hobble around uh, and do that thing where you kind of tug at your own arm in a weird way. Um, so that makes sense. I mean, he went over that apron, or not the apron, he went over that security gate barrier. I don't think we have a good name for those. Um, barrier. what are they called? Barrier? Barricade. No. Barricade? Fuck, oh, yes. Yeah. What's the stupid word they use in WWE for? Dasher boards. Dasher boards, yes. He yeah. went over the dasher boards at a crazy pace because <laughs> uh, da- he was dasher working his hardest. Field boards. <laughs> nope. Vito? Um, a, a, a very good dasher board. <laughs> Took you a second. Took you a second. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was not the delay. That was Aaron's brain delay, is what that was. <laughs> yeah, brain bad. Um, so that yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, he still had a killer match. So, you know, John Silver's the man. Uh yes, and Darby did that one like uh not quite a judo throw, but when he like whipped him over, you know, with his arm, and it's like, dude, you just fucking pulled him over by his arm. Like, kind of rude, honestly. Anyway, uh, I guess we just did breaking news instead of our, you know, normal banter up top. So I'll just breaking news. Yeah. So I'll just do the plugs up top. Uh, Everything AEW is our Twitter account. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. You just search everything elite on the podcast app of your choice and subscribe. You'll get these as soon as they come out, usually on Thursday mornings these days. Uh, Give us a five star rating and review if you use the Apple podcast app. And the best way to support the show is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite, subscribe. 
Uh, thinking of uh, rejuvenating the tears. I came up with an idea just before we started recording. So, so I haven't even uh, cleared it with uh, the boys yet. Some more breaking news happening on the podcast. Breaking news. <laughs> but yeah, I might do that. Also, uh, our biggest month ever over at the Patreon. We've uh, hit a new subscriber number. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, okay, well, I'm just going to go into it then. So we'll start off the show with Elite or Delete. Uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see what you thought, Nate. Uh, I was. I always see like, oh, we've got 30 uh, notifications on the Twitter account, but I never click over there because I'm worried that uh, you need to see the replies, you know, and you won't remember to go oh. back and check the hmm. replies or something. So oh, I try yeah. to I, try I to stay out of there. Never need to see the replies. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do. It is very useful sometimes that we have three people uh, theoretically using that account because then we can just ignore things. Be like, oh nope, never saw it. Sorry, somebody else must have. Yeah. been active on the account of that time yeah Pretty, somebody uh, handy somebody came at me for the uh the irish uh rant that i did i don't well, know what that was yeah you did bury all irish people <laughs> wasn't my intention i was <laughs> just trying to bury irish americans did that did, did you get some clarity as to why me and mike uh reacted like we did <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> this one person was really mad about it and um i was going i typed out a response to it a level-headed response and i was like you know what i'm just gonna let this die <laughs> and now i'm gonna bring it back up on the yeah, show no it's fresh news uh new business right at the top um <laughs> yeah no it was, it was not the best thing you've said on the show uh i guess uh, no probably i not. guess you might have narrowly avoided being canceled which of course is always our goal uh well i mean i got a lot of support in the discord to be fair so uh but yeah just yeah, want to be so, clear. To, to be clear, he meant he he meant uh, he doesn't like Irish Americans, is what he meant. Yes, I meant people who uh, live in America who have never uh, sniffed Ireland. Uh, yeah, but... l- l- let's just distill it down to what you're talking about. You just like Boston. I do dislike Boston. Actually, Boston is a cool ass town. I just hate uh, people from Boston. Really. <laughs> now, See, what if, what I, if just, I just I just cut through Spring? that. Irish Spring. Yeah. What's your opinion about Irish Spring? Uh, no, Irish, so it's got to go. Okay. Sorry. But anyway, but I love, uh, you know, The Departed. That's cool. Um, it was fine. Pretty good. Oh, I like The Departed. I think it's good. Um, what do you think yeah. about uh, Ben Affleck refusing to wear a Yankees hat? That, that's, that's good. <laughs> I, I do like that. That's, that rules. Yeah, that's, you have to protect your, your, your outside. Brand. Yeah, you have to protect your brand. It's like... Yeah. There's a, there's a good bit in uh, 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 Once Upon a Time in Hollywood about the kayfabe of aging actors going and being the, you know, villains in new TV shows and putting over the hot new young baby face. And it's like, yeah, you know, then it totally changes how everyone perceives these actors. And it's like, oh, now you're the old villain and the new guy is the new baby face. Uh, and that's a that's instructive for Ben Affleck's being like, no, I'm, I can't put on a Yankees hat. I'm going to ruin my whole thing. Uh, it did lead me, I forget who was tweeting about this, but it. I was in the replies and it did lead me, spe- this is why I just thought of it, to Jack Nicholson having banned Celtics gear on the set of The Departed. Because um, oh, he's a Lakers fan, yes. Yes, but he's apparently a Lakers and Yankees fan. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, yeah, because he also, I think he, ref- I think he refused to wear a Boston hat in the movie. Yeah, aren't you like a aren't you like a Kentucky basketball and Yankees fan? Uh, yes, I am. Who's your Who's your football team? I was a Minnesota Vikings fan, but I don't watch football. Anymore. Okay, I'll, hey, I'll, I'll let it slide then. 
it, what this makes me think of, and I'm from Kentucky. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I and a Yankees fan. <laughs> He's, yeah, he's told I've, the lore I've explained of that, this. I've explained the lore. Well, I, I wasn't the lore listening. Of it, the it doesn't, I wasn't listening. It doesn't. I, it doesn't wash with me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played T ball. My T ball team was called the Yankees. That's how yeah. I became a Yankees fan. Uh, I wasn't I, asking to hear it again. I, I have a. I'll, I'm going to post the fucking picture and I'm going to at you in it every time, <laughs> uh, three times a day. Well, what that all makes me think about, and I don't know if necessarily, I Nate, I'd be stunned if you really see these things up in chicago but ab might see a kentucky louisville one is the house decided license or house divided license plates you get around here and you'll get some like really wild combinations like i saw one that was the university of texas on one side and the university of tennessee on the other like there's that doesn't even make sense they're not even rivals right yeah yeah, so I'm imagining the uh, and there's also the hats that are split down the middle. I think this was something that was on uh, Banner Society a while back, where it was like different college team hats, and and like the most nonsensical one was like Northwestern and Texas Tech, like one half Northwestern, one half Texas no. Tech. Insane. Uh, now there's a house near me that has like on like it's like it's got the porch, and you got like the two sides of like the. But it's like a small little, it's not really a porch. It's like a step, <laughs> really. And it's got a Louisville uh, flag on one side and a UK flag on one side. And it's, uh, I find these things very bizarre. Uh, I don't understand them. Yeah. I don't get it, folks. Uh, so, E-Leader D-Leader, what I was getting at was uh, <laughs> weird. I thought it was a weird show. Uh, so I'm interested to see. What you thought? Yeah, what was your I, favorite thing? I, I poked my head in the Discord for about a second enough to see somebody said it had a weird vibe. I don't really agree at all. I thought this was a pretty strong show. I think pretty much everything served a purpose and was at minimum clear and effective and uh, at best like a pretty strong segment and pretty entertaining. Uh, I was like 90% sure going into this that I was going to be picking the Lucha Trios match from my elite, but I'm not going to because I did really enjoy the main event uh, and it kind of snuck up on me. And, you know, that's the expectations games is sometimes if your expectations are lower and they're exceeded greater then you enjoy something than you more than you would have otherwise. Uh, obviously, you know, very high on Darby Allen matches generally, uh, but this was not really like your Darby versus Brian cage matches or your Darby versus uh, Sammy Guevara matches where it's like a total blow away spot fest car crash you know, wild sort of thing. This was uh, a lot of solid traditional match structure by like John Silver. Um, and I really enjoy watching John Silver work in uh, the manner that he did in this match. I really think like John Silver, first of all, his offense all looks great. Like everything always works with him because his fucking kicks look great. His slaps look and sound great. He throws guys around. He chucked Darby Allen across the ring like he was Brian Cage. Uh, all look tremendous. And John Silver is kind of in a class of his own as far as like projecting physical charisma. Like he's really, you know, usually he's doing it in like a goofy sort of amped up way. Uh, like he's like a buff Bagwell, or like a Chris Candido kind of way. But when he got to the meat of this match, he was like pure focus. JR called out. He was staring at the camera and it didn't feel like put on, oh, I'm intense and I'm trying really hard. It felt like sincere genuine focus and intensity from John Silver. And you could feel it when he looked at Sting too later. Yeah. So 
I was super high on this. Um, you know, the apparent shoulder dislocation helped the match, if anything, because Silver sold that like a million bucks if he was selling. Um, and a couple of very cool counters. Queen Slayer counter, very cool. Uh, we haven't seen anybody, I think, counter out of that stunner that Darby does. So, yeah, kicked ass, and I loved it. Yeah, I, I think the best way to describe Silver's offense and his overall like physical presentation in the ring, like as you were saying, Nate, is he's very dynamic. And it's something that, given his size, it's something that you would think that a less talented wrestler would just go with tropes. You would think that they would just like go with like the standby of, oh, this guy's like five foot four. He shouldn't be able to do things like this. But no. John Silver is the meat man. It makes total sense the idea that he was able to beal throw Darby Allen halfway across the ring doing like that. And, and then like the dives and basically being like a human uh, bowling ball. Like that makes perfect sense for it. And I don't think that that was like one of the few lines that Jim Ross said tonight that I felt like was actually pretty present was talking about that. Um, the thing that got me about this match and it was something that my opinion on the show kind of hinged on this match being pulled off the way it was and and as is always i had a good time with watching dynamite tonight but it's something where the way that they they built this match and playing up the traditional uh structure nate i don't know if if this was something that kind of was going off in your head early but it started to with me i could have saw this being a time limit draw like the tv timer remaining time limit draw because it was getting to a point where i was like doesn't really have like this like tremendous like huge like final stretch coming here like are they going to do a time limit draw and how interesting that would be for both silver going forward and then darby wanting to have all these offenses and he starts it off the time limit draw with someone and then it's the whole thing about like can he have a truly successful defense and it does the title get held up if it's a time limit draw so i was kind of fascinated by that as my clock was going to 957 958 and of course uh we had the uh, code red finish instead but yeah that this was exactly what i was hoping for when we were talking about this ab on the morning show on AEW light like that this was a these were two of the three biggest homegrown male baby faces in the company with orange cassidy being the third and they were at a position to put them up top and have a match that was uniquely theirs. And I feel like that that is something that, given a lot of things with issues I had on the show, is something that they can kind of put the feather in the cap about. I feel like that that's something that showing that confidence and like this sort of thing, uh, and it was rewarded. Yeah, the cool thing to me is seeing someone get an opportunity like this and just fucking killing it and just completely taking... Uh, full advantage of it. I loved that Silver didn't get in there and try to do like uh, goofy spots to get himself over in that kind of way. But instead, it was just like from minute one, he was just an ass kicker. And he just was hell bent on destroying Darby. And I thought that was perfect for him. It established him as not just uh, and he is this like super charismatic, funny guy. But it even especially if you don't really know him, I think it makes your brain like flick a little thing of like, oh, this guy is like for real. This is a serious guy that I should be paying attention to. Uh, so thought it was great. Even fucking Jim Ross, you know, just went crazy uh, for John Silver here. Uh, a lot of cool spots. It was great. And Excalibur playing up the time limit, knowing obviously that it wasn't going to go to a draw, uh, helped build up the anticipation in the match uh, in, a, in a really nice way. Uh, as you all said, they didn't, haven't done that stunner reversal before uh you get the cool 
the shout out to Brody Lee, but then it gets immediately reversed into the code red finish. Uh, yeah, great match. I don't care for Matt Hardy getting involved at the end, but the match was great. So I was going to put over the show closing angle because they like to do these these clusterfuck finishes a lot where everybody comes out and you get into a big brawl or whatever. But I think this was a just kind of a, a good way to advance all these different little plot lines without doing the same thing they do every time. Uh, you didn't have Sting come out and enter with Silver. You didn't have Sting uh, with Darby. You didn't have Sting do his Tony Schiavone shtick on this episode. He came out when the Dark Order was seeming like they were getting involved in helping Silver too much. So that was a, uh, you know, a softer touch on using Sting, which is good to see after they've driven him into the ground on previous shows. And then the, the Matt Hardy thing, they've set up that feud with the, what is it, the, the Hardy family office? Is that what it's called? I really like that name. I don't know why. Uh, that, that name amuses me. But they've set up that feud with him being pissed off, of course, with, uh, you know, Dark Order backing Hangman Page and this stuff. Uh, so he's going after them. Bunny wants to get involved in the, women's division now which is good to see uh and then you get sort of the added element of ty conti coming out to even the odds for the dark order so uh i thought that was a a more effective way to close the show if you're gonna if you're going to do one of these big cluster flag angles um then they've been guilty of doing other times it just had a little more focus to me if that makes sense uh i'm gonna make one proclamation just because uh in the tradition of aaron saying that double or nothing the first double or nothing was the best american pay-per-view of all time uh John Silver in this match was like WWE Daniel Bryan if he were good. Bold. I like it. I, I, I'm i not even going to push back on that as someone who's not watched a Daniel Bryan match in several years. But I, I, I get what you're going for that. And Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about mine. Like, I, I'm just going to go with my easy one. Uh, I really love the opener. I liked how much that... Uh, that Omega and Hardy Jill or not Hardy uh, Omega and Seidel uh, Jill together. I felt like that it showed off a lot of just chemistry from guys that I know that they crossed paths a little bit in new Japan. They might have been on some, uh, they, they've been on PWG shows together, but they might've been on some, like some dragon gate DDT cross promotion shows and maybe occasionally ring of honor but i thought that this match really came off as super strong and i really completely enjoyed it and it was something that i came away with like they they gave sidel like the right amount and it was clear that he was not going to be a immediate challenger but he kept up his credibility and then can when kenny won kenny won with uh, proper emphasis and i thought that for like a 15 minute oper with your world champion i felt like that that was uh, pretty successful yeah, I thought it was a really strong match. Um, it was kind of, I mean, it, it, it's maybe a little dishonest to say it's exactly what I thought it would be because I don't have the, <laughs> the, the, the knowledge or the ability to like come up with the counters and little nifty things that they do. You know, uh, they had a couple good subversions of the one-winged angel in here. Uh, you know, uh, Mass Idol did a really cool trip. Uh, and, they, you know, it's just two guys who obviously know each other's work and know how to work a really good engaging match that goes back and forth. So not to say that I knew exactly everything they would do, but I did know what this would be because you have two high level pro wrestlers and you know, Kenny Omega is going to win. Um, and that's what happened. Then it was good. Yeah. I thought it was interesting to start the show with a Kenny match. Like I thought that was a, a cool idea in that I knew we were going to have an actual championship match later on so cool to see Kenny there and you know Matt Seidel another guy I mean not in the same 
spot as John Silver, but another guy like getting a bigger shot and delivering, like doing a Matt Seidel match that worked. Uh, and, you know, obviously Kenny must respect him and like did uh, a match that would help Matt Seidel also. So, uh, yeah, I thought everything about this was good. That was the weird thing about the show. Almost all the matches were good. Uh, but there was just something. A lot of the promos were bad, but something about the vibes were just were just off for me. I think all the all the promos and vibes were good. Also, I did to to amend my statement. I, I knew what it would be. The it, I we know they like to do this. They like to do a super hot opener that's like fifty fifty down the middle with a bunch of big kickouts, uh, and they believe that's the big sort of work rate fests that people bite into. So yeah, it's exactly what we got. All right, so I guess it's my turn. You guys honestly picked the only two things uh, I thought were were good on the show. Uh, well, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, to Britt Baker, to the old DMD. I thought she had a nice little promo here, and my favorite part was her uh, shitting on Mick Foley. I think Mick Foley should be shit on uh, as much as possible, uh, but not in a tony atlas way in a the, the way that Britt baker <laughs> handled it here it's kind of weird to me i don't do you guys think when we're like all right we have this match this big match where Britt i think loses but comes out the big star of the match like i think Britt definitely comes out of the match better than rosa rosa feels like to me like an also ran in the match you have an opportunity to turn that into more of a face turn for Britt, but it seems too soon for that. But then you got the crowd chanting DMD with her at the end. It just feels like I'm not sure exactly what they should do with Britt right now. I'm not sure that they're sure either. They've done this weird thing with like the tournament and she didn't win that. And now she's in this Rosa thing. So I'm just, I'm interested. I'm curious about the Britt Baker character. Yeah. uh, I think like the analog here is WrestleMania 13, uh, Austin Hart where that kind of was the start of Austin's big face turn, even though he still wasn't like a clear cut face really for like another nine months. And I, I think that it's something that to build on, it's something that they've been starving to get Brit into a position that the crowd has been receptive towards her. And, but, but yeah, it, it is something where Rosa does kind of feel like the afterthought afterwards, but it's something where I would keep the groundswell going for Brit. Uh, she seriously has now, uh, I would say work through her issues that she's had as a baby face. And then down the line, like the crowd, I mean, it's the same thing like the Bucks. The Bucks are heels that people choose to cheer. Let's see how many people will cheer for Britt Baker. And then before pulling the trigger there, because I think it'd be really interesting. And that could be like the big moment really for her is eventually when she turns face. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's a good, mo- it's a good start. I feel like, like this is like everything they've done for like the last year paid off with how things have been going for the last week for Britt Baker. Yeah. I don't think you really need to do a big face turn, like until the crowd has already cemented it almost. I I think in the last like generation, two generations, I don't know, three generations of American wrestling, the biggest baby faces get there after really hot heel runs. Right. So I think you want to get back to when you're touring, get back to when you have fans, get back to when basically the crowd has just turned her on their own. And then, then you can do a little, you know, demonstrative actual turn to cement her as a baby face. Um, and I think that, that is exactly what you need to elevate her to the top. And then at that point, you know, have her beat Jade Cargill to get the world title or something. Um, 
the you know Thunder Rosa, they I was glad they put in the clip of her from backstage after the match last week because that was a really good promo, just very, you know, her true feelings, you know, very uh, emotional about the match. That was a great addition to the show. Uh and yeah, she is as the winner was kind of sidelined here, but uh, you know, also is theoretically signed to NWA and not to this promotion. So it's like, okay, it's kind of fine to put the focus on your homegrown, you know, you know, future top woman in the company. So that all works for me. Um, yeah, love Brit. Yeah, it's one of the few times where I'm not wondering who the next women's challenger is going to be because they don't do anything. And so it could just be anybody. But it's like, oh, there's actually a lot of different interesting ways that can go in the women's division at this point. So I'm actually intrigued about uh, where we're going next with several of these people. Well, they cleared the deck. Like that was the nice thing about the Eliminator tournament is that they cleared the deck in such a way that if they want to revisit past matchups that Sheeta had, you're totally able to. Like the deck's been cleared in a way and there's enough people in the in this that like you could see you can make an argument basically for everyone with the exception of Nyla Rose because ha- of her having multiple now challenges against Akarashita and uh Ryu Mizunami as a possible future challenger for Akarashita and I would buy that argument. Yeah, I'll take that into my my elite slash delete. I think uh, you're exactly right. That Nyla Rose is maybe the one person uh, that they can't have challenge for the women's title next, just because you know they did do that, run that back multiple times with her and Sheeta, um, which is why I think having Ty beat her was good because they've had a couple of uh, you know strong matches previously. She was an obstacle that Ty couldn't overcome, even though you know uh, Ty's obviously been building momentum elsewhere in the promotion. Uh, so having Ty beat her is like, okay, now we can see that we're going to put Ty at a new level now. And now Ty's in the, in the, you know, running to be a potential cheated challenger down the line. Um, I will, I'll, but I'll call the actual match my delete. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty, pretty fine. Uh, but based on their prior matches, it just didn't live up to that level for me. I don't know. Uh, it seemed like maybe toward the end of it, they got a little out of sorts or gassed or something, uh, and just weren't exactly hitting on all cylinders um so that was like maybe the the singular thing that was kind of a disappointment just in terms of my expectations again because those two have had i think really strong matches every other time they've been in the ring yeah it's something where with ty being somewhat ascendant and she's been all over both elevation and dark for the last few months and kind of just looking good and has been built up and the dd tie like i'll say this nyla rose had a fantastic sell of the dd tie going to the finish but nyla it seems to be something that like nyla will be like off tv for like several months and then like she'll have she'll be brought back onto tv and the first few matches are kind of shaky in a way because i remember this happening before and i know that she was of course a part of the Eliminator tournament, and she's probably popped up and done like a two-minute squash match on Darker Elevation over the last two weeks, but it does feel like that she's someone that needs to like be in a rhythm because it does feel like that it, there was a point in the match where I was like, oh, this is kind of this is about to go off the rails, but then they brought it back in with the awesome finish, but it's something that like match-wise on the show, it was the one that kind of underwhelmed my expectations. So I totally understand you going with that, Nate. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I feel like now, I mean, she just had a really good match with Mizunami, so I hate to bury Nyla too much, but it does feel like there have been some big matches where she's gotten gassed or hasn't delivered uh, in some way. But then on the other hand, there's a I can think of 
as I'm saying that, I can think of three or four counterexamples of her having really good matches in big matches. So I guess she's just inconsistent, perhaps, is uh, is the answer. Yeah, we also, you know, we don't know all the circumstances of their taping schedules or and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to change my opinion on Nyla. I think Nyla is a really good talent and has turned in a bunch of really high-level matches. Um, but, yeah, for, you know, this one just didn't live up to the, the standards set by their previous ones. Now, Ty, for her part, also, you know, it's just hard to... As someone who isn't a wrestler, you know, it's hard to uh, meet out like who's at fault for what at certain times. Uh, but Ty didn't seem where she usually is. Now, her yeah. in-ring charisma, I think, was all there as it as it normally is. Uh, but yeah, as Mike said, they're getting behind her. I think she's number one in the in the fake rankings this week. So they clearly, you know, want her to be Oh, and she's eight and two. So they clearly, you know, have been working on getting her a good looking mm-hmm. record so they can feature her. So it's uh, full steam ahead with Ty, I think, which is good. And they did. They also said, yeah, she's number one in the rankings, but that's her best individual single win so far. So that's yeah. like really putting a chair on top. Um, like Drew's saying in the chat, they also had the bunny angle there. So she's uh, in the mix. So that's good, too, because, uh, you know, I've been wondering on this podcast, why isn't Allie ever wrestling? So good to see yeah. that they're they're getting her back in the swing of it. And a good little program uh, to get Ty like a feud and get a win at the end of it without just like a cold match. You actually have something you can build up and get Ty a win, which I think is good for her development as a character. Um, We jumped into that, but I do want to jump back quickly to our listener elite of the week. Uh, Thoro says the trios match, and I assume he's not talking about the pinnacle match, is exactly the sort of match they should be doing every week. Uh, Great news, Thoros. They're doing a very similar match next week. So, (laughs) I mean, I agree, but it seems like they do too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll 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 see how it is when you inject uh uh the impact dock into the match and see how it goes with that. It'll, thing. it'll probably be great, like all the other trios <laughs> matches that he's had in this promotion. That's fair. He gets though. he gets in there opposite Phoenix or whatever, and he's like, oh, I gotta do a million fucking bumps for this young guy. I can't believe it. But then he goes out and he does it. Yeah. Like the good working brother he is. Yeah. So my delete is weird vibes episode. Uh, shouts to Patrick Cosmos for coining that weird vibes. Uh, the weirdest vibe that I had in a promo in a long time was this Christian Cage promo that happened. Like, it was something that like took me back to like a second. And I'm like, do they really actually have a plan for what they're doing with Christian Cage after they built this up and brought him in? Like, this is like a record. Like, he hasn't even had a match, and now he is completely like hanging out with the uh, babyface foils that got fed to pinnacle and then kazarian interrupts and just goes uh why aren't why aren't you wrestling yet and dasha all the while is just kind of like well we'll see what happens next week and then christian's like yeah next week and it just was awful just was bizarre and just like wrapping my head around like it was like an in media res promo like that started where like he was giving them like a pep talk and it led to Kazarian interjecting just bizarre energy in this and just like there was a lot of of promos that I could cut down on the show but this was like the one that I was just like what are we even doing here and how have you immediately devalued Christian Cage this quickly yeah I don't know I don't I don't really see that i i think maybe it was a little stilted and and wasn't supernatural feeling but i entirely get what they were going to i think the vibes were mostly fine uh you know they have them in there with the young guys because they're trying to uh you know deflect criticism that they're just bringing in all these legends or whatever so 
they explicitly say, hey, Christian Cage is here and he's talking to the young guys and going to give them some hints about tag team wrestling. So they're, you know, trying to make him seem like a good guy in that element of his character. And then uh, I, I think uh, Cub said it on Twitter that they were doing a lot of course correction here. And it's like, yeah, Christian Cage came out, grabbed the world title and wants a match with uh, Kenny Omega. But first he's going to put in the work and Kaz makes the challenge here. They set up a pretty clear angle. It fits in perfectly with what Kaz has been doing because he's been, you know, whining about being uh, undervalued or underutilized or whatever it is. So uh, I thought those parts fit together pretty well and they're probably going to go and have a pretty solid to maybe very good match on TV next week. Uh, so I thought this was totally functional and fine. Uh, I agree that it was a good idea, but very poorly executed. I mean, I, it all makes sense what they're doing, but it's just, I would have reshot it. I just, it was bad. Uh, the, uh, Stilted. Bad. Stilted at the yeah. very least. I didn't like it at all. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to see Kaz point out that, you know, the outwork guy hasn't worked at all. That was, <laughs> that was fun. I appreciated that. Uh, and yeah, they'll have a fine match. As somebody pointed out in the discord, this is like what Kaz does. He's like, uh, put over all the top guys. And so I, I pointed that out in the DM, but I don't know oh, if you're referring sorry. to what I said. Uh, I yeah, he, he did it, did it, did it with Moxley, uh, did it with, um, Jericho did it with hangman. The only time he shows up to do singles matches is when it's like, oh, we need a good mechanic who can be, you know, credible against our very top guys. Uh, and, and that's what he's there for. So I imagine that's exactly why he's in this spot. All right, my turn. Uh, I'm going to take the easy one. I I was planning to come on the show and, and have a take about how, you know what? The Ethan Page thing is fine because Cody's guys don't get very long leashes on Dynamite. Like, Sean Spears comes in and they really didn't do much with him. You know, we didn't really have to uh, worry about him for very long. Uh, but then they they brought me this big QT Marshall angle mm. where he cut another bad promo. Uh, not as bad oh. as his first one. Literally, though, you could see his hands shaking at one point, uh, cutting the promo, which I thought was funny. Uh, but it was bad. I don't have any interest uh, in the story. Cody came out and... Uh, was started to save it, but then he went off on this weird tangent. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't have any interest in this whatsoever. Don't want to see it. Don't think it was a tangent. I think it's pretty crucial to the story that they're trying to do. I don't know. I, I didn't hate it. It was maybe a little long, but I think that's kind of just what you have to deal with when you're dealing with a Cody angle. And this is obviously going to be a Cody angle. Uh, you know, I never watched this promo because I don't believe in old wrestling. Uh, but everybody on Twitter says they're just taking the exact playbook from Bruno San Martino versus Larry Zavisco down to it being an exhibition match and, you know, Cody not wanting to hurt his friend. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of cute just to repurpose those old angles because, uh, you know, people like me have never seen them. So that works. Um, I'm, I don't know. QT is much, I would much rather see QT in this spot than Ego or Sean Spears. Uh, just because he's fresh. We haven't seen him more than is necessary in a lifetime like we have with those other two guys um and he has like pretty good he, he's he he has a confident heel persona on the same guevara vlogs uh and i don't really fault him for maybe not being ready to take that to national cable television because he hasn't done them before um so you know i'll, I'll give him a, a a few weeks of leeway to see if he can bring that to a head on the program um 
And I also having Cody come out with the headset and everything kind of just gave it a different energy than every other interview angle they do because they do this all the time with Tony on the ramp. Uh, But yeah, I'm willing to see where it goes. Maybe, you know, like I always say with this with this promotion, you know, trim it by three minutes and it's going to be better. It's something that it this like the setup to this match and like they have really on elevation and dark hammer at home the idea that. QT Marshall is not happy with the Nightmare family, but the Nightmare fa- family has been like, everything is happy, everything is okay, we're not going to talk about it. And then you finally have this here. And it does have like the old wrestling vibes of San Martino versus Abisco there. And that is kind of inter- interesting. It's just is something that I, I guess he's not a promo guy because like QT did not come off well in this promo, whereas I think he's great in all the other shoulder content. It's just maybe he's like anxious about this and it kind of came off that way but it it's a facet and it's a storyline that i mean it it gives cody something to do and i think that this is probably going to be a big uh season finale thing between uh him and qt for roads to the top like now i have to look at nearly everything cody does with the guys of is this book for a reality show or not and for someone like me i love it i like i like having those mental games but for like the average viewer who is not just like a sicko like i am you might come away with this with a different response so i completely understand how aaron was negative on this promo and you know negative on a lot of when we get into the full recap, a lot of promos on the show really needed the three-minute warning happening. Biggest baby face of the company to me will be whoever finally breaks Cody's fucking arm and sends him home for two months or whatever. I need a need a break from Cody. We, I, <laughs> uh, we we've had breaks from Cody, and they. He I just need another got, one. <laughs> we've had, like I feel like we've had one pretty recently. Yeah, uh, the Go yeah, Big they, Show they, break. They, ne- they never really take. They never really take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do another one and maybe, maybe this time, you know. All right. Listener delete. Uh, another one I know Nate's not going to be happy with because he already wasn't happy I'm, about I'm it. already mad about it. It comes from Patrick Cosmos. He says, delete this work shoot clown trash. Kenny talking New York and the hard cam. QT talking about taking meaningless bumps. Get the fuck out. There's nothing work shoot about signing with new york that's just that exists in wrestling and in real life the best wrestling is when you pretend as though it exists in the real world uh you know i think there's a very distinct difference between referencing the other major promotion that everyone's aware of and like you know talking about whatever backstage you know where's your scissors kind of work shoot bullshit um you know obviously i'm taking the most extreme example on the other end uh but it's canon right what was the other yeah, I mean, New York is WWE is New York in kayfabe. There's nothing work shoot about that. What, what, what was the other line here that I wanted to complain about? But it, just just like that meaningless aspect, bumps. meaningless bumps was the other thing here. But like the the whole New York thing, I mean, with as much as they promote it, uh, the Young Bucks killing the business, an autobiography from the backyards to the big arenas, talks a lot about this. So that if that if we are accepting that. All of this media is canon as we do cover everything in the Elite Extended Universe, then this isn't a work shoot promo. This is just fact. Yeah, the mean the meaningless bumps thing, that is definitely more of a gray area. Like bumps is a inside term that doesn't really need to be 
part of the actual text of the program. That's like when on the on the show the other week, Tony's like, he he went back through the face tunnel. He came out of the heel tunnel and went through the <laughs> face tunnel. Like Tony, no, that's you're not supposed to call that out. That's supposed to be subtle and in the background. Um, on the point of the hard cam, though, the hard cam was the other thing. Hard cam is not necessarily an inside term. Like people, that's a production term that exists in a real sport as well. Um, but what I will delete on the hard cam is they have to fix shooting Wardlow's kick-ass finisher because they keep missing his cool bump, and they really fucked it up on this one because he didn't like the rear turnbuckle, and they messed it all together. So there's a bonus delete. I agree with you, Patrick. Everything you said, I think it's all right. You know what I'm else gonna, is all right? I'm going to spill your beer again, Patrick. <laughs> well, don't spill his beer on his um, winning betting slip. I got no I got no good uh, one to go into this one. But good news anyway, because March is here, folks. March is almost over, but it's here. The madness has begun. Time for you to shoot your shot. Score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. We're in the sweet 16 now, I've been led to believe, although I think uh, it's fake. Uh, but you can bet on those over at my bookie. Uh, hopefully you entered in to the uh, bracket contest where they're giving out $10,000 in cash prizes. Um, also, they got game props, player props on every game. Uh, your team is probably already out of the tournament, so go bet on some fun props. Uh, all you got to do is go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code ELITE. You can get a deposit bonus up to $1,000, and make sure you use our promo code so that mybookie knows you came from us. Uh, so use the promo code ELITE to get that first deposit. Of course, if you're not into college basketball, NBA is going on. NHL. I heard some people betting on uh, the WWE pay-per-view that I think just happened. So there's plenty of stuff to bet on. Just use the promo code elite at mybookie.ag. I, uh, I encountered mybookie.ag in the real world. No, that's, that's a lie. I lied. Um, <laughs> I, I encountered mybookie.ag on another podcast. Uh, the the Flagrant Ones Patreon, where they have the uh, it's a basketball podcast by the guys who do Hollywood handbook. They have Carl Tart on there and Carl Tart has apparently been doing all sorts of big uh, parlays on mybookie.ag where he bets like one or five or $10 on like 10 team parlays. That's insane. And and has won (laughs) thousands of dollars doing this. He's like, Oh yeah, he's doing $5 bets a day and multiple times has come away with more than four figures. Uh, So I was like, Oh shit, that's, they, that's us. We know them. That's, 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 our friends at mybookie.ag. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one degree from Carl now. Yeah, our, our friends there. Uh, Aaron, of course, for us, since we don't believe in the NCAA tournament this year because our teams aren't in it, we do have a big event happening this weekend, of course. Ah, F1's back, baby. That's right. F1 in Bahrain. And I had it pulled up there. And you're looking at like what's happening there. This is the time to get on your driver championship thing. So the odds on Lewis Ham- Hamilton will never be better than right now because that's probably true. I don't believe in anything that they are saying about the Mercedes in this. All right, so I got the Bahrain uh, GP to win. Uh, uh, who are you feeling this week, Aaron? Well, shit, I'm looking at these odds. You can get Lewis for plus one fifty. I'm telling you, this is the best time to vote. Well, we, we should be saying Sir Lewis. I mean, he is knighted sure, at this point. Sure, he's been knighted now. Yeah, uh, but, I don't, uh, I don't... Fam- famous Blackpink fan, Lewis. That's true. That's true. Also a big Blackpink fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's really great money on Lewis. Uh, I... But, but you know, uh, our Bahrain 
did they they didn't go to Bahrain first last time did they that was the no. late the late race where George uh was in the car l- l- let's uh, not talk about that race which I, which I luckily know. was not Cost really me a lot of money yeah seriously uh which luckily was You're not, not supposed real... to say that in the promotion for the betting company Aaron. well we're well, out of that well we're yeah. out of that well, we're just we're, we're just bullshit no, we're just talking okay. yeah yeah uh drive to survive did not have a lot of Williams this year which kind of surprised me with George. Well, I've got two George. episodes left, so no, don't spoil me now. How am I going to spoil you on a show about a sports season that you watch in real time? Because they show back background stuff that I didn't get to see. Uh, <laughs> all right, here, here, here's a big surprise. There's a bad wreck on episode 10. Well, I haven't made it there yet, but I know that already. But there could be stuff I don't know. Oh. For example, episode I just watched about McLaren, and there's a whole thing about like, oh, uh, which I think a lot of this stuff is uh, totally worked. a work. Yeah. But it's like, oh, reality show worked. Lando is beating you in the corners, and we got to like change, or you know, we got to work on your braking uh, yeah. strategy. I was like, oh, this is spicy. Uh, the McLaren storyline as total work. Yeah, like Lando and Checo are like. It just did not make sense to me. Like, no, that's not really how the season went. Anyway, here's, here's a selection of Lewis Hamilton's follows in order. Okay. okay. Odell Beckham Jr., sure. Elon Musk, whatever. Ty Dolla Sign, Andy Murray, uh, British Premier Motorsport Series, uh, oh, British Touring Car Championship. And then the one that really amused me, Hans Zimmer, the composer. <laughs> do you think he's like oh i gotta find the guy that did that dark knight theme with the fucking joker <laughs> sir lewis is a varied individual he is a true renaissance man today he might have an appreciation for film overtures you know would not surprise yeah, me that's I, sure but you know kind of a kind of a normie film composer lewis you know not expand even going, horizons a little bit not even following philip glass yeah come on Lewis he has, makes he has an account. Lewis makes like forty million dollars a year, so I'm assuming he's, only. Uh, fo- I I think he makes close to like seventy five. With oh, all this, he makes at least forty. I feel. Yeah. I'm looking at these the drivers. He's a tennis fan though. He he follows a lot of tennis players, so he's definitely he has well, some solidarity with the other uh you know uh underappreciated sports, I guess. No, uh, no, Sergio Perez is not on the board. I was going to say that's going to be your best odds, but he's not even on the board. On uh. For the for Bahrain or for the construct- no for the for the championship, just uh, not on the board. Very weird. Yeah, George George Russell has the fifth best odds. Very yeah. Bizarre. I wonder if that if that's one of the things where there's been a lot of action on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Perez is not on here. Like, who is on here? Who should not be? Give me one second. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> follows okay. follows Ben Stiller. <laughs> I've really been thinking about Ben Stiller a lot lately. Uh, you you are my favorite motherfucker. <laughs> there's there's only 18 people on here, so they're missing two people, but I don't know who they are. Uh, yeah, anyway, this is not an F1 podcast. I, I would y- love for it to be, but unfortunately, y- it's not. Yuki Sonoda is the only is the other person not on there as well. Very strange. Uh, okay, so here's let's talk about the stuff we haven't talked about yet. Of course, it kicked off with Kitty Omega beating Matt Seidel with the one wing and angel. Uh, then we saw Alex Marvez with the Dark Order, uh, Hangman hanging out in the back. Uh, John Silver flexing to show that he's ready for the match, and they do this bit where he's getting out of the way of coffin drops. This was very funny. Uh, Paige says, don't be nervous because those guys are going to be proud of you either way. Very sweet moment between them. Uh, Here's something that hasn't come up yet. Adam Page versus Cesar Bononi. Adam Page wins with the buckshot lariat, a very controversial and divisive match in the Discord. (laughs) 
Benoni is not good. I'm just going to say it. He is not good. And I know that there's the bone zone out there that are going to go against me on this, but <laughs> the he's, bone zone. He, he, uh, he's just not a very good wrestler. So they're doing a unit of Cesar Benoni, Hot Young Briley. Yes. Yes. And uh, JD Pe- Drake. And Peter yeah. Avalon. I mean, he's yeah, leading Avalon, this group. He, right. He, he's been uh, allied with, with HYB and, uh, and Bononi, of course, uh, but wasn't on this episode in particular. Um, and I just, I, I halfway, this is like, you know, uh, not grounded in reality, but I do halfway wonder like, hmm, did Tony specifically put together a guy that he knows we like, J.D. Drake, with a guy that we know, or he knows we don't like, Hot Young Bradley, just to just to see how that I think the team the theme should be like it's an evolutionary chart but you start off really tall and thin uh and bad at wrestling and then you get a little shorter and heavier and you're okay at wrestling and then you get even shorter and larger and you're really good at wrestling that should be the the team theme I can't argue with that uh I don't know I thought I thought this was fine it was a decent little squash match it didn't bother me in any way it, it was really watch it. It was an Adam Page squash that wasn't 12 minutes, so That's we good. had that going for us. Which I, 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 I fear for what a 12 minute Cesar Benoni match would be. Uh, Lance Archer got a pre-tape. He says, "Sting, I looked up to you. Without Sting, there is no Lance Archer. He's got the bats there. This, he says, this bat meant something back in the day. I bet people had to pay attention to you, but now they should pay attention to me instead of you." Yeah. Uh... Like I said previously, Lance Archer, good at presence and delivery on promos. The, the content of his promos is not always super intriguing to me, but he always delivers them effectively. I thought that this was probably one of the better stuff here. And as Nate said, yeah, he's effective at this. So it, it, it's interesting that this is the uh, route that they're going, it seems like, for Archer and Sting. Yeah, it's just that like three promos in, I still don't really understand the deal between well, like what Lance Archer's mad about. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the problem in general with Lance Archer being paired with Jake Roberts because Jake talks and doesn't say anything. So, you know, I guess they interrupted him twice because they were mad that an old guy was taking his time. I guess, I guess that's what Lance is mad about. But yeah, that's kind of, maybe that's what Lance and Jake agree on is they like to, say things in a cool manner but not really <laughs> say anything of meaning it's and it's it was frustrating here because i thought he was like kind of getting there i mean i understand the you're, you're exactly right the point he's making is like they're putting this old fuck who isn't anything anymore even if he used to be on tv instead of me and he's a baby face kind of so he's trying to thread that needle of like i respect you but your time has passed uh but he just really didn't get there get to the point on that yeah just kind of need a needed to bring it home simply at the end of these promos i think yeah, yeah and, it, and it's a pre-tape i mean just tell him what to right. say well you know the the thing about this promotion is they do let guys do their own shit <laughs> to uh to you know success or, or otherwise um but you know this this was still a, i think a pretty good segment overall just dropped 10 bucks on uh on lewis to win the race this weekend uh, we got a video recapping Britt and Rosa, as uh, as Nate pointed out earlier, kind of giving Rosa a little more shine than perhaps she's gotten in the media. Uh, and then Tony's with Britt Baker and uh, cut the promo that we also already talked about, uh, which was very good. Uh, and then we had the the Christian 
segment where he's with Griff and Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. and Dante Martin says he was giving them a little bit of tag team advice and they did the thing with Kaz. Uh, then FTR and Sean Spears versus the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. A Spears pinned Dante, which I was a little surprised by, with the Death Valley driver. This was yeah, fun. The, the highlight of this to me was, uh, I think this all happened during the break. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, Dante Martin did a very cool two-on-one comeback um, at the very end of the match, right before he got cut off coming out of the ad break. Uh, but you could feel the crowd like, oh, wow, this guy's doing it. This guy's doing some cool shit. He keeps flipping out of stuff. Uh, he has a remarkable ability to rotate his body despite not being like especially small. Um, so that's what stuck out to me from the match. Uh, and then, of course, also the everybody going to dive on the pinnacle, but Wardlow stepping in front of them and the entire team being like, oh, we don't want to fuck with Wardlow. <laughs> so that, you know, just confirms Wardlow is going to be the star of this stable. I think that's good. Uh, and, you know, Sean Spears is the fourth guy in a stable to get Wardlow over. It's kind of fine with me. Yeah, I, I thought that this match altogether was exactly what I was expecting and hoping for. I think that Dante Martin, who they like to bring up, which makes me feel very old, 20 years old, and has really like shown unlimited potential here, was solid in this. And this was really like... There were six people in this match, but this match was about Wardlow. Like, let's be honest here. He came out. He has another button undone. He's wearing fun shirts now. He's fun low now. And then when they did the post-match angle, it yeah, was him. I'm, 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 I'm vetoing fun low. As fun, fun low is, v- I, I, I've been using veto. fun low for like the last like hour and a half. You, you've lost your opportunity to veto this. It's already no, it's, a thing. It's, it's vetoed, and I'm deleting it all from all the Discord logs. Well, it's too late here, but uh, the, the the fact that like Wardlow did the uh, Mr. Mayhem knee drop to people after the match, and then they made sure that even though everyone else who was a talker got their time in the Pinnacle post-match promo, Wardlow was always on screen. So I never have to ask myself, I wonder what Wardlow's up to, because they make sure we see Wardlow, and that and that's important to me. Yeah, Wardlow outshone most of the people talking just by standing there and looking at Tony Schiavone. Yeah, they did the, the post-match here um, with a with a Wardlow attack. And then Tony was in the ring with the pinnacle. This, some of the most WCW vibes we've had in a while of just like seven guys milling about as Tony Schiavone talks to them one by one. That's <laughs> a str- strong endorsement from the pinnacle from you. Uh, no, it was not. Uh, yeah, w- WCW is good. That's true. Uh, Dash says the pinnacle is his family. He doesn't have a wife and kids. He just has these guys, which was like a very sad moment. I thought, uh, he's got got nothing to lose. It's all in on the pinnacle for him. That's true. Uh, did you guys know this, this euphemism that, that Dax used here, this, uh, you don't have any salt in your body. If anybody does, it's gotta be Mike. Mike. I think is that a typical allegory or something? Because like I know that like when he said that, I was like I've heard that somewhere, but not that exact line. Okay, who turned into a a pillar of salt when they turned around in the Bible? Oh yeah, I should that know was, this. I feel like oh, I'm oh, it's a, it's a maybe it's a is that when the walls of Jericho came down? Or no, it's when they they turned no, and looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, Lot's wife was transformed to because they were going salt. away from Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And they weren't supposed to look back. Yes. I believe. I, I have a yes. religious studies minor. I should know these things. Yeah. <laughs> I went to church for a long time. I should know these things. Uh, okay. I mean, MJF. You, don't, you don't learn anything in church. <laughs> That's true. MJF said Jericho's fat and won't come out because he's scared. 
Yeah, I kind of they're they're kind of baby facing MJF with these promos that they got on the inner circle about them just being old goofs and doing bad SNL shtick. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, that's right, and you're just yelling it, and that it totally works. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm buying on Pinnacle right now. The problem with MJF for me is like when he tries to do the tough guy shtick with like Tony or whatever. It's like this worked with Ric Flair because it felt like Ric Flair could kick your ass. Uh, but MJF has none of that going for him whatsoever. Mm. So I, I just don't see how he can like, he, he can be, know. yes, the chicken shit guy, but he can never be like the kind of leader of a group that Ric Flair was, which is what he's playing here. Okay. Right now, MJF would kick my ass, but I would kick Ric Flair's ass. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, but I'm not in this promotion. He doesn't have he's got, to. He, he's got really big arms. Uh, he had a really hard hitting match with John Moxley. I can't do that. I don't know. I'm buy- I'm buying on him, Jeff, this week. I'm I'm selling as always. Uh, Taz is there with Team Taz, uh, and he wants you to know that uh, Bullet Club. I'm sorry, Team Taz is fine. Uh, says Cage apologized last week. Cage seems not so sure about apologizing. I almost said the Bullet Club is fine reference for the Nightmare family earlier, but you know, <laughs> but they, they, they like to do these things in pairs. Yes, they do. Uh, they did the Tony QT thing. Uh, the only thing we haven't mentioned yet is uh, to- QT's wife made an appearance. Um, you know, he says he's frustrated, but at least his wife is hot, uh, except he doesn't get to have sex with her because he has to do work for Cody instead. <laughs> Uh, but nice to see that she's forgiven him for cheating on her with the bunny alley for yeah. weeks on end. Or at yeah. the very least gave her his their credit cards, I would assume. I mean, even if it was not a physical yeah. affair, it was at least a financial and emotional one. So this, big this on was, her. This was a real uh, VA jet situation. <laughs> 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 like hardcore. Now, now they have to pull in that QT somehow stiffed Ethan Page. <laughs> <laughs> QT, QT, QT saw saw Allie the bunny. He's like, oh, finally a Jezebel type character. I can really use this in this promotion. <laughs> All right, the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid uh, against the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. Laredo pinned Brandon Cutler, uh, and after the match, Omega attacked Laredo. And then he said he's uh, was remembering the first ever Fighter Fest because, you know, Laredo's there. All the players are here. And then he talks about how he's recalling when they all had a choice three years ago. Uh, was he going to go to New Japan? Was he going to go to WWE? Uh, no, he didn't even choose AEW. He chose the Young Bucks and the vision they created. So he's giving them one last chance uh, to join him to do the infamous hand sign. Uh, but they don't. They leave. Omega turns around, eats super kicks from the Lucha Brothers. Good, the Good Brothers come in a little late, uh, so I guess maybe the Kenny Young Bucks thing is over. Well, yeah, until you know, six weeks from now, they 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 just now revived on BTE the the Bucks wanting to be friends with Hangman Page again, and did the clumsiest, most unnecessary retcon that now was Matt Hardy that sent the text from Hangman's phone to the Young Bucks that made them think that Hangman didn't like him. Just stupid and unnecessary, and uh, you know I, I expect better from the Young Bucks and their storyline plotting here. But I did think this was pretty good. The match uh, obviously was very strong. It, it wasn't like super high speed like you uh, might expect from this 
uh, six-person arrangement, uh, but all the spots were pretty great. Uh, you know, the Luchador's charisma was all on 11. Um, and, yeah, I thought uh, the, the post-match stuff, like, Kenny pulls off what could have been a tough needle to thread considering they've done this same sort of are you with me or against me thing four or five times. I don't know. I did. I wanted Kenny. They never referenced the fact that Kenny's the AAA mega champion, even though he specifically has a part in his entrance where they list all of his accolades. Uh, and then he comes out here and he's like, I remember you from Fighter Fest. And it's like, Kenny, we all fucking saw you wrestle this guy in AAA for the mega championship like three months ago. Like it, it's right there. I don't know. I mean, I assume it's not a directive from the promotion. Like, don't mention our partners at AAA. Uh, so I guess Kenny's just not, it, you know, trying to do it. Uh, it could be a directive not to mention them because of the current lawsuit AAA has about their international properties outside of Mexico. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how that would apply to referencing I, a title. I all, mean, uh, all I'm saying is that people are the way that AAA has acted towards the rest of the world as soon as this lawsuit came out they could have said hey can you just like kind of on the triple a talk with that i mean they they, they took down like all their oh, YouTube he, did, stuff. he did mention triple a because he did i know you from triple a he did say yeah. that so that Maybe. seems unlikely to me I, I i'm just knows. trying to thread the needle there but yeah no i i thought this all came across great i thought that the uh Double stomp uh, package pile driver that I guess like Kenny must have bit his lip and was bleeding at the bottom of it looked really sick during this. And I think that this was pretty effective. And now I guess we, we are replaying. Is there melodrama in the Bullet Club once again? I thought the interesting thing was if I'm and I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but Kenny for the first time like was did the asshole thing in front of the Bucks like before it could have been like the good brothers were doing this. Don Callis is doing this, but here he was actually beating up Laredo kid and then saying like, you have to join me in this. So it mm. did act, at least make sense as a, as a, a capital S story, capital B beat. A new, a new threshold that they were being asked. Of. Indeed. Indeed. I like that. Uh, Jade Cargo gets a pre-tape. She says red velvet made the biggest mistake in her career, getting in her face. Uh, she beat her ass. Now you're coming back asking for more. Jade says she's on the path to greatness and you're just a pit stop. She's also getting excited for the F1 kickoff this weekend. Uh, she says we're both undefeated in singles matches, but there can only be one. I look like money. I sound like money. I look good looking like money and sounding like money. And I'm that bitch. Folks, where's the lie? This fucking got me hyped. I, I, the music yeah. like builds throughout this whole pre-tape in a way that I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. I'm getting fired up for this. Um, so yeah, still, still all aboard the Goldberg push for Jade Card. Yeah. And considering how kind of shaky her first promo was this, she knocked it out of the park here. Like this provided some fuel to a few that, you know, kind of was sidelined a little bit and I'm going to be real interested. That's going to be a really interesting match. And now I'm completely bought in on a storyline perspective. Uh, Mox and Eddie are in their trailer. Eddie's leg is broken. Uh, he says to the good brothers, this isn't new Japan or, or other places. You all are going to pay for this. <clears throat> and Mox asks, how far are you willing to take this? Are you willing to take it as far as we are? Uh, and he says, he doesn't know or like the young bucks, but he guesses that he owes them one. He doesn't like owing people things. He doesn't like bullet club melodrama. Uh, but if they're going to play the game, they better be ready to get their hands dirty. Yeah. Another great promo on this show. So I'm not sure what you guys are talking about, about, about all the promos on this show being bad. Uh, Eddie just doing, 
great character work from start to finish as usual says yeah that's what that is that's a broken something the something is broken so unlike uh you know juice robinson who's like yeah that's a fucking broken metatarsal in my hand i know exactly what bone that is that's broken eddie has no idea and he also like gets fired up and starts to stand up on his broken leg or whatever the fuck uh and then consequently loses his train of thought so moxley has to step in just tremendous stuff and moxley gives you know exactly what he should be doing as the baby face it allows him to comment as the top baby face allows him to comment on the uh, the the promotion as a whole and uh, the meta criticisms from the fans. And he's like, I'm tired of all the Bullet Club melodrama. Uh, and that's exactly the note he should be hitting there. So, yeah, great segment. I will say that the reason why the promos felt like that they were down on the show, because here were the promos we had in order. We had the Dark Order page one that was cute. The Archer program, which, I mean, we still don't know the purpose of the program. We had Brit's promo, which knocked it out of the park. The really bad Christian segment the uh, pinnacle promo after after their match, then Team Taz is fine, and then QT and Cody. A bad set of promos. Fine to good. Nyla Rose versus Ty Conta. We already talked, but Ty won with the DD Ty. Uh, afterwards, Vicky was holding Ty, so Nyla grabbed her, gave her the beast bomb. Sheeta made the save in the suit. Sheeta's loving this suit look now. I, th- I think she saw how many uh, impressions it was getting on Twitter, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with this for a while. This is over. Yes, it absolutely is. Uh, but the bunny, of all people, attacked Sheeta. Very surprising. Uh, Hardy and the Butcher Blade looked on. Matt Hardy said the women's tournament was a sham because the bunny wasn't in it. So I suppose Nyla and Vicky are now, I don't know, maybe are they aligned with the Hardy family office? Uh, it seems like Nyla and Vicky will ally with anyone in, in for convenience. They kind of just seem like the heel women's people that get plugged in and everything. Was there a really long dead air after Matt Hardy's like two seconds line here on, or was that just the fight feed? Didn't stand out to me if there was. Okay. That, that must've just been the, t- the fight feed, but Matt Hardy said his little thing. And then they just kind of hung with a wide shot of the stage for like a very long amount of time. And I was like, I wonder if something else is supposed to be happening here. Then we had a hype video for the arcade anarchy match with Miro and Kip and Chuck versus Orange Cassidy, which is going to happen next week. Good hype video. Mm -hmm. Like seeing these guys. They're all genuinely funny. Um, Is it funnier, though, for Orange Cassidy to call Kip Donkey Kong Jr. or should he have called them Diddy Kong? Oh, I think Donkey Kong Jr. is the funnier thing there. Like, like that requires a level of relevance that goes past uh, Donkey Kong Country. So I think Donkey Kong Jr. was the right line. Uh, I thought that this was just a pretty solid thing across the board. I, I, I've liked the path that Chuck Taylor has taken with this. Uh, and, you know, what they've done with Orange Cassie over the last 24 hours has been very interesting to me. I, I don't know if... We, we, I know in the past we've gotten in trouble for spoilers, but I feel like that this one is such a awesome and ancillary one that, you know, I, I give them credit. Like, when they want to go get some licensed music, they go and get some licensed music. So I'll leave that to that. Uh, there was another Scorpio Sky pre-tape that looked like they just filmed it at the same time they filmed the other one, uh, where he said he's been screwed over and over again, and the Darby match was part of that, but his days of being underrated are over. Uh, he's going to face Mike Seidel on Elevation next week, and he debuts the hot new catchphrase, it's time to pay the rent. Is that one of the opening lines to the Muppet Show theme song? 
time to pay the rent. I I guess he's going with a landlord gimmick. I mean, I guess that'll get heel heat. So only among us. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm among us. I need to go back and listen. To that. <laughs> no, I said it. I forgot. There, there could be a real like uh, supercut of Aaron's mispronunciations, weird idioms I have, and Nate's a plant talk that I feel like would be the proper like compilation disc out of us. I was really interested to see your mic was going to go on. What is Nate fucked up? Uh, I, I, I mean, talk. That's, that's a safe option. Yeah, no, no, it's a safe option. <laughs> Nate, out of the three of us, you show your ass on air the least. So Thank you. I did fuck up uh, the name of the uh, dairy, the Indian dairy drink that I talked oh, about. Oh, Lassie. Yeah, Mega Lassie. Lassie, yeah. yes. Yeah. Nate I mean, has I said, some... I said I said Lassie. Yes, I can't did. think of any right now, but Nate has had some funny pronunciations in the past. Well, the other one that I was disputing was it's pronounced Lubatons. Oh, like, oh sure that, the, the, still no, pretty sure that's not true. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not, that's sort of... that was that was my point. The French pronunciation is Lubaton. I took French, okay. so I know how to say the French pronunciation. I'm saying Americans. You know how we were saying like it's Cairo, Illinois, because we took we took or no Cairo. They say Cairo, Illinois. Right. So it's Cairo, Egypt. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Americans say Lubatons because they don't. No French. I, this I was what I was talking Louboutin. about. At the time. Yeah, I say Lupiton. All right, whatever. TNT title match. <laughs> put it, put it in out. your supercut. Darby won with the code red. Hardy attack Darby. Everybody brawled. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, but yeah, that was the show. Uh, if you like this show, Everything Elite, you can support us by heading over to patreon.com slash everything elite. We got three tiers. It's been our uh, best month ever on the Patreon. Thanks, everybody, for all the support. Uh, this past week, we do you know at least one bonus show uh, weekly, and this week we had the Spears boys back for some more prospects with the Rhodes Wrestling Academy show. Yeah, that that was a whole lot of fun. There's few things that Drew and I like talking about more than the idea of people starting their career and the way that they kind of portray it. And it's a, it's a nice like side B to the nightmare factory produce in a lot of different ways, had a lot of charm in a way, but it just, it, it was, it was a wild kind of show and we got a chance to talk about it and drew on air, talked me into doing WrestleMania Indie week in coverage, which was something I was playing on the avoiding. So, you know, th- there's a whole lot there. Nice. Good work, Drew. Thank you, Drew. Uh, Of course, this week on Wednesday, we had our light show where uh, we preview Dynamite. We look back at what happened on Elevation and Dark, and Nate gives us the vlog quick hits. So we've got all the content covered for you. We'll have another weekly show out uh, next week. And if you join up, if you sign up, head over to our Discord. Uh, But I guess, you know, the biggest new thing we've been doing is on the $8 feed, you can get this show live on Wednesday nights right after Dynamite. Uh, but you can also see the the YouTube feed stays up, so you have all night and whenever until whenever it goes up the next day to check it out and get a sneak peek before it hits uh, feeds. So check it out. Uh, coming up soon, I'm gonna just keep plugging this until it happens. I'm gonna have an episode with Murder Brian. So uh, if you're a Murder Brian fan, he's finally coming back to the Everything Elite Patreon. So uh, join us, Patreon.com/slash/EverythingElite. Uh, next week on Dynamite, we will have the exhibition match as we discussed: Cody versus QT Marshall, Arcade Anarchy, Chuck and Orange Cassidy versus Miro and Kip Sabian, uh, Karushita and Ty Conti versus The Bunny and Nyla Rose. 
Omega and the Good Brothers versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid and Christian Cage versus Frankie Kazarian. So Jade versus Red Velvet isn't next week. I don't. They didn't say that. I don't believe. Yeah. yeah okay. Hmm. Well, well, that would be two women's matches. You know how hard it is to book right. two women's matches on a That's weekly program. Yeah. Uh, but perhaps the more interesting thing they announced, they're going to do a house show on April 9th. They yeah. They didn't give us any more news on that, but presumably I won't be able to watch it, which is good, because that means I won't have to do a podcast <laughs> about it. Um, <laughs> so is that is that right around Mania Weekend? Is that when that's happening? Y- yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I guess so. I believe Mania Weekend is the second weekend in April this year. They had to move it. So okay. it is my that belief. That makes sense. May, yeah. you know, a lot of wrestlers are going to be in Florida. They maybe want to get some eyes on people uh, and they maybe want to start testing out formats or, or setups or whatever for resuming touring. So kind of computes they want to get some reps in on both those things. Uh, and there would be all the people that are in Tampa for WrestleMania weekend wrestling wise. And you'd have an opportunity probably to run a pretty long tryout if one would want to. Uh just for people who are thinking that would be a fun thing to do is go to see this house show while they're in Tampa. It is a three hour and 13 minute drive from Tampa to Jacksonville. So I doesn't not necessarily feel like it's doing the WrestleMania weekend. Oh, we're going to be uh, doing shows in the wake of WrestleMania. It just seems like they're doing it. Yeah, no, I think they want to stay away. Or they, say, they certainly said last week they want to stay away from WrestleMania weekend and not, you know, have that be associated with maybe the, the, the minor leagues uh, in that regard. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I think doing it at their own venue, you know, considerably far away, it's, it's not an attempt to play to that crowd, but, you know, may as well take advantage of an opportunity to see people that they might have otherwise not had a chance to see. Yes. Uh, and I guess uh, some big news that we haven't discussed. Uh, La Sombra has been released from WWE. No non-compete. Uh, certainly, I mean, I have no idea what he's doing, but certainly would love to see him in AEW if at all possible. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Uh, he probably, I don't, I, I mean, if he's available and wants to work in AEW, you sign him, but probably seems like that he's, I think he is going to go to Ring of Honor. Like, that makes sense, given who's all in Ring of Honor right now. But, yeah, good for yeah. Sombra getting out of there. Good for Andrade getting out. That does make sense uh, as far as wanting to, you know, reunite with Rush, Rush, uh, and the Ingobernables. Uh, doesn't make sense if you want anybody to see your work. Um, so, you know, I, I would not be surprised that, you know, AEW has shown a willingness to be like, hey, our door is open. We'll do little things for a quick little runs. Remember the five date Matt Cardona tour? So, you know, maybe he dips his toe in and then uh, goes on to a longer run with New Japan or something. But, you know, the door would still be open in some regard. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah, they should just, I mean, they should just pay him uh, so that he doesn't have to go to Ring of Honor. I don't know what, like, <laughs> yeah. Sinclair is doing because, you know, they haven't been running. So I don't know if they're like, eh, we're not sinking as much money into this promotion right now since we're paying fucking Sledge. Or I don't even know who that is, but I saw some news no, Slex? Got... Are, you, are you talking about Slex? I think the there's business? a guy called Sledge. I think oh, there's yeah. a guy called Sledge. The, wo- and it's the like... Woods, Woods Hall of Famer Slex? Inaugural <laughs> no. class? Inaugural think... class, yeah. No, this is Sledge, uh, the metalhead maniac. <laughs> uh... Okay. That, 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 <laughs> sounds, that totally sounds, like sounds real. Like 
Yeah. Uh, forged by the demons that live inside his head, the metalhead maniac once turned to drugs and alcohol to quiet those voices. However, realizing he was hurting himself and those closest to him, Sledge returned to the sport he loved, professional wrestling. Real, like, 1993 <laughs> WWF New Generation hours right there. <laughs> anyway, there was a, a news note that he never debuted with Ring of Honor, but they've been paying him throughout uh, COVID. So this is Sledge. I, I remember they they renewed Slex's contract without mm-hmm. him ever having appeared. Yeah, Slex I mean, and I think Adam Brooks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I, I think it was Sledge. And this I typed in Sledge Ring of Honor, and it's a real person. So I the feel first like I'm first time I've ever heard of Sledge. Whereas, of course, Slex, uh, you know, inaugural Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, and the business. Yeah. Summer's anyway. cool. Um, you know, Taya Trinidad also sitting out there on the market, very talented, mm-hmm. has an audience. Uh, you know, it, it does. It, Meltzer was like speculating, oh, they might have paid too much for Paul White and Christian to be able to sign these people. And there is certainly a glut of talent in this promotion. Right. Uh, it would really be too bad if, you know, uh, uh, adding your Cesar Barnonis and your Hot Young Brallies uh, and your Christians and your. Paul White's prevented you from getting like two really great talents like Tay Trinidad and La Sombra. Well, Tony has like openly talked about how, how much he likes Trinidad. So mm-hmm. I feel like he would bring her in if at all possible. I don't know. I did listen to that interview where somebody asked him about it and he kind of played it off. I don't know. Oh, okay. I, wasn't, I, I wasn't sold that he was like, you know, he, he, he had like a pat answer. It was like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to talk about or too talented while they have a non-compete, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, oh, well, it's up. And he's like, oh, okay, well, that, you know, uh, that changes my calculations or obviously, you know, want to give, give that some thought. So it, it sounded a little more diplomatic than enthusiastic, okay. I would say. Well, the thing is, if you're Tony Khan, if you run a wrestling promotion and La Sombra is available and you don't yeah. do everything you can to bring him in, like you're making a bad decision. <laughs> I, I, it's yeah. the same thing. Like if Brock Lesnar is available, you pay the Brock tax. Like it's just you just do it and sombra of course doesn't isn't going to command that kind of salary but sombra has probably longer term growth than brock lesnar would absolutely yeah and uh, like you can just like stake out the entire mexican-american viewership you know between the lucha brothers laredo kid uh the sombra you know it's like while the wwe pushes no one i mean granted mm-hmm. aw has not done a tremendous job of pushing the lucha brothers or everything but, you know, has at least, like, treated them with respect, I guess I would say. Also, you lag down that group of fans of guys who go to the 9-11 memorial to find Dan Trinidad's uh, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> dad. Is this a real thing that happens? Oh, yeah, Well, of course dude. it is. Of course it is. It's dudes she on the did, internet. They're did. terrible. She did say, like, stop making fun of the guys that do this. I think it's sweet. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like a very big, like, um, yeah, Dan Trinidad simp thing to take a picture with like pointing to her dad's name on the 9-11 monument or whatever. Uh, Dudes rock. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's a good place. That is one of the the truer, the truer uses of dudes rock that I've heard in a while. (laughs) All right. I like it. Well, good. Uh, If you want to see more things you like, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the card. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review if you use the Apple podcast app. And please support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash everything elite. 
All right, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.